You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Is it possible for Christians to have a healthy fixation on the supernatural, paranormal, and beyond? We're going to be answering this question and more on today's episode of Systematic Geekology. We are the priest of the geeks. I am, of course, your host, Christian Ashley, MC Ashley, NKSCF. You know me by many names, but you also know that I'm not here alone. I have, of course, another host, a guest, actually, in this case, one of my oldest friends, one of my best friends, John Erdley, who I love to torment and love and, you know, just calls all sorts of uh, chaos in his life. But John Erdley, my friend, who are you? How do you justify yourself to the world? Introduce yourself to the good people. Yes, um, I had the unfortunate pleasure to meet Christian in college, and um, we have been best friends ever since because I, I guess I just love his backwards compliments and his insults and his torment. I guess I'm a, uh, what do you call it, an, an addict to pain or I'm a glutton for punishment. But yeah. anyways... Um, I'm my name's John Erdley. I grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina, and I developed an affinity for writing and fantasy in high school, and I carried that over into college where I tried to develop myself as a writer. Graduated with a bachelor in fine arts in writing and then um went on to publish four books within the past couple of years and that's what I'm trying to pursue right now, trying to live the dream and uh, publish books and get famous, make money, that type of deal. Oh, yeah. Feel that at 100%. So, John, what have you been geeking out on recently? Well, we just finished up um, Ahsoka. It was a lot of fun. We're big Star Wars nerds in my family. Um, I raised my kids correctly, which is we watched um, <laughs> we watched the, the series in order with the movies and then of course, the Disney Plus shows and the new new content's all out of order. But we um, we've watched Clone Wars, the cartoon series. Um, we've watched Star Wars Rebels, and and that was a great treat for the kids to finish up with Ahsoka. And now we're into Loki season two, and oh, very nice. It's shaping up to be very interesting. Yeah, I did enjoy the last episode, but that's not what I've been geeking out on recently. Actually, this just dropped today, the third episode of uh, Get Ready to Laugh, Josh. Uh, excuse me, John. I'm so used to oh, saying gosh. Joshua and not John. We've been best friends for so long. Messed up my name. Yeah, I don't even know you anymore. Yeah, I, I, I've been watching The Power of Hope, Pretty Cure, Full, Full Blossom, which is a sequel series to Yes, Pretty Cure 5 and Yes, Pretty Cure 5 Go-Go, and actually Splash Star as well that I've just found out recently, so that's fun. And it's them as adults, which is the first time they've done this in a Pretty Cure franchise that I'm aware of. I'm still only like 10 or 11 series in, so uh, it's a lot of fun like to see them grow up, like to see that you know there's still a little optimism there, but like you have to deal with that in adult life, so really enjoying that. So... Next up on our docket, <laughs> we have our actual topic for discussion today, which is that we're going to be focusing on the paranormal, the supernatural, and beyond, and how the Christian should interpret these things, how we should care about these things. So let's first off, let's explain what do we mean by the supernatural and paranormal? John, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Sure. Supernatural, anything that is above a 
natural law, I would say. Something that we can't explain with, say, like the law of motion or the law of gravity or something that is a natural occurring thing. The supernatural would be something that is greater than nature, outside of nature, interfering with nature, that's not part of nature. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's fine. And basically, it's that idea of this is something that, as far as the science we have right now is concerned, we don't fully understand. We're not able to comprehend it. uh, These weird phenomena out there, these could be anywhere. It can range from ghosts. It could be telekinesis. It could be demons or mediumship or witchcraft. That's where we're kind of putting in like this large blanket definition of the paranormal supernatural are all these things and more. So with that in mind, what is it about these things that makes us so interested in them? Well, it's different and strange, and those things often catch our attention and capture our wanderlust. You know, we're we're just want to know what things are going on with, you know, UFOs. You see something strange in the sky and you don't have a ready explanation for it, like you can't identify it quickly, then it becomes, you know, an obsession in your mind. Yeah, very much so. It's it's one of those things, to me, I love a good mystery, and I love figuring out that mystery, and when I can't, it normally gets me angry because I want to know, I want to understand. And looking into stuff like this, it, oftentimes, as anyone who's watched some of my Friday night uh, frights videos on YouTube can tell you, I get frustrated when I can't use like, this is 100% what I think is happening. But at the same yeah. time, the chase is there. And I love that chase to figure out, okay, was this actually a ghostly apparition? Was this a demonic possession? You know, uh, was is it possible for this person to have reincarnated? It's like, I have my answers, I think, uh, yay or nay along the way, but I have to investigate those things. And that's the fun is the chase. I agree with that. All right now. Yeah, Absolutely. But also, uh, John and I, we've talked about this before with one another, but I've only shared a little bit for this question uh, for everyone listening right now. But John, what paranormal events have you experienced in your life? I think a couple come to mind in our own experience. I remember going onto the uh, battleship North Carolina in Wilmington, and I remember me and my wife, we we were walking along the... Uh, you know, set path they have for tourists. You know, you you pay your money, you go in to see the site. But we were walking along one of these uh these hallways in the ship, and I remember feeling something touch my right side, and it felt like fingers. It felt like someone, you know, if someone had just put their hand on your side as they were passing by you. And I turned to look, and there was no one there. And then ahead of me, my wife turned to look as if she'd been touched too. And she said, and she looked around kind of confused and she said, was that you? And I'm like, no, I'm back here. And it just, you know, I was just like, well, it looks like someone just passed us. You know, they weren't in the physical realm. Yeah. And that's the first and only time I've ever been touched by anything, but you could feel the fingers. It, it was, it was kind of weird, but you know, I don't have a natural explanation for that, it, but it occurred to me and my wife, you know, surreptitiously. So the only explanation is that a a ghost or some type of spirit passed by, you know, as if they were walking past us, touch, touching our side. And um, 
trying to think of another experience I've had. I had an experience while I was ghost hunting. I mean, I've uh-huh. seen, uh, you know, like a shadow, you know, move. And then you catch the movement on camera and you're like, what was that? Well, you know, that's, you know, shadows don't just move, you know, like they're conscious. So I've I've had a couple of experiences and I've seen UFOs and things that I can't explain. I mean, most of the time after, you know, looking up different types of phenomenon on the internet, you can be like, oh, that look was probably a meteor or, but sometimes you just see like stars moving in the sky at high rates of speed and you don't have an explanation for it. It's very interesting to me. And like you said, oh, yeah. it's a mystery and, and it's a something I just want to know so bad. Absolutely. Understanding is like one of the things I just desperately want. And actually, uh, before we move on to me, we do actually have a shared uh, moment we had together while we were in Wilmington together. You want to go into that one? Yeah. You're referring to the graveyard, <laughs> the graveyard scene? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, because as good Christians, we went ghost hunting together. Um, but no, seriously, we went um, to Oakdale Cemetery in Wilmington, North Carolina, and we had a voice recorder recording, and we were standing over this grave. None of us were talking, and I remember it because it was a grave with a lot of uh, Spanish decorations and um, and things that were set up on it. I took a picture of it. It was very nice, but... Um, more importantly, we weren't speaking the whole time. And when I went back and reviewed the footage, you could clearly hear my voice and Christian's voice talking in the recording, but we weren't saying anything. And if you listen to the audio, the voices sound truncated, almost like they're like, it's been sped up. It's, it's really weird. Like it was squished into the recording it's just a bizarre experience, and that's why it's called an EVP, which is electronic voice phenomenon, because we can't explain it. We didn't say it, and Christian has listened to it, and he's like, yeah, I didn't say that. So it's it's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, that was a trippy one. Now, for myself, uh, I'll save the best for last, but like, I have seen what might have been a UFO. I'm, I'm very skeptical about this one. Because I was just playing this uh, game of tennis with friends in high school and looked up in the sky and I happened to see this one particular what looked like a star just moving erratically and like at impossible speeds and impossible angles. And I was like, am I going crazy? And then it suddenly just disappeared. So like maybe my my eyes were just going weird at that moment. I don't know. Then I've seen like out of the corner of my eye, shadows move. I've seen what may have looked like the shape of people in those shadows. So maybe a possible shadow people sighting. Like, once again, I don't put as much stake in those. I wouldn't take a bullet for that particular experience compared to some of these other ones. And when I used to work at my old high school, I would be there late at night. And when you're there alone, like, it feels creepy enough already. But there's also uh, supposedly a ghost that haunts that building. And I have seen out of the corner of my eye an apparition. And when I tried to focus on it, it would be gone. Like, when I pass by the gym, I would hear basketballs being dribbled. Oh, that's And sucks. I'm talking like close to midnight right here. And like, look inside, like the lights are off. You turn the lights on. There are no basketballs anywhere on the floor. Like no kids just broke into the building and started dribbling basketballs for no reason in the dark. So that was a weird one. Now, probably, uh, and I know I'm forgetting about stuff in my old age here, 
But the one that's hardest to forget is actually about a year or two after you left our apartment and I was rooming with Dino and Cameron, I was about to leave and go with my friend James to live with him. And this one night I had asked Cameron if I could borrow his Game of Thrones DVD for season one. That's important for what happens later. So I was watching that, fell asleep while watching it. And then I woke up hearing that still playing. I think it was like near the end of that episode that was about to appear. And I felt this presence in the room. And I didn't open my eyes. I was just so afraid of whatever this was because it felt like this thing hated me, just like hated my guts and wanted me dead. And it was like, uh, for frame of reference, I was uh, sleeping on the bed. It was right by the door that I always keep locked because I'm paranoid. But apparently that wasn't good enough. So this presence, whatever it was, was standing by the door. And then when it, I guess when it recognized that I knew it was there, it seemingly like flashed up or teleported right beside my bed. Once again, I have not seen any of this. And then this immense blast of cold just pours through the covers that I have all over my body because I'm hiding under them. And if you know me, uh, like I'm the kind of person who in the middle, of, uh, while it's snowing, is wearing T-shirt and you know basketball shorts because I don't get cold that easily. Yeah. But I am shivering. Freak. And dying. Yeah, go ahead, John. No, oh, I said I just called you a freak for you you always wore these shorts when it was freezing out and, and I'm sitting here shivering like that <sighs> it's all the extra blubber keeps me warm. But uh, it was failing me then. So like I'm still like like what do I do? I can't get out of this. This thing wants me dead, it wants me gone, it hates me. And then finally I realized I can't do anything. So I just said, Jesus, I can't do this. I need your help. Please save me. And the moment I said that. It was gone. And I lifted the covers up. There was no one in the room. Like I had full control of my body. So it wasn't, you know, sleep paralysis or anything like that. I was tossing and turning while this was happening. So, yeah, uh, the only thing I think of would be a demon or some malevolent entity that just hated me and didn't want me to go with my roommate who had just come to faith. And I was kind of mentoring him. But like, I can't say for sure what that was. So that's us. And by the way, listeners, if you have a paranormal experience of your own, Feel free to share with us on Facebook or Discord or anywhere because we would love to hear it. I would actually love to compile them and maybe do a special episode on those. So, John, we, we mentioned like why we care about these things, but why should a Christian care about the supernatural? Well, for starters, we uh, worship a supernatural God. So, in essence, the supernatural is our business, and we need to be well aware of spiritual matters and things that are going on around us, not being blind to possibilities that we of things that we don't understand and approach them with more of a curious but cautious nature of trying to figure out what some of these things might be, you know, in origin. Like, like you said, you had a, an experience, an unhappy experience with a possible spirit entity or a demon or something and that there are things that we can't see that cause things that we can't explain. And it's important that we be curious about these things and not shut off or close-minded about the supernatural and paranormal because it is a part of our lives. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, when I look at Scripture, I see things that I am told to avoid. I'm told to avoid, you know, necromancy. I'm told to avoid, you know, witchcraft. I'm told to avoid seeking after the dead or um, false prophets or something like that. And, well, why would I need to stay away from those things if they were harmless? If, you or if know, they didn't exist. I mean, sure, you could always argue. 
Yeah. You could always argue, well, you're attempting to do it and that way that's your pride talking and therefore it's not real anyways, but you think it's real. Therefore it's prideful. You know, you could argue that, but like, I think it's because there's something out there. And as we do see in scripture, like we see the witch of Endor, um, who I think is more of a, from how I interpret that story, I think she herself is a shyster, but God himself allowed Samuel spirit to come there to talk to Saul to pronounce judgment upon him. I know other people interpret that very differently to think she actually summoned a spirit or she summoned a demon or what have you. Uh, what's your take on that real quick, John? What, when um, the Witch of Endor summoned uh, Samuel to talk to Saul? Or, yeah. I think she did. There's no reason for us to believe that it's false. And that scene is important because, number one, it, it seems that Samuel's... um personal identity is carried through in the the spirit that's talking so we have no reason to believe it's some type of phantasm yeah and then too later on in the gospels we see demon excuse me jesus like casting out demons out of people and from the context it doesn't seem like this is just mental illness like not to say it's that impossible some of them could have been but like they're talking back to him in voices that don't belong to the owner of that body, of that soul. And Jesus is confronting them, telling them to get away. He has power and dominion over them. Like they're working against us. And you see like even more positive things like angels, like are still incredibly terrifying when they're seen because they're just so far above us power level wise. Like uh, we can't even register them on, on the scouter. And when that brief moment of Elisha and his servant, like, God allows him to see the spiritual battle that's about to be fought when they're about to be attacked by these group of people. And he sees we have all these angels on our side and that's happening all the time. And actually my dad, one of the things that he likes to say is that if we saw that all the time, we'd go mad just from seeing all the spiritual warfare going um, across us. So why should we care? Well, because well, honestly, God cares. And Johnny brought up a good point too. God himself is a supernatural being. He's extra normal to what we normally perceive in this world. So I should care because of who he is. So therefore, let's research that a little bit. Let's figure out where we stand on all that. you have anything else you want to add? I was going to say, um, I feel like there is a pervasive attitude in the church generally, and I've experienced this, and I'm sure you have too, that Christians don't want to discuss supernatural things. And if you talk about ghosts, you kind of get the side eye. You kind of almost get tr get treated like the redhead stepchild like you but um yes pretty much but i think christians are turning away people who've had these experiences who might be in need of help and these people like possessions or alien abduction cases of people who've had some very terrifying experiences that changes their lives and they they're seeking answers and I feel like Christians are turning them away from the faith by not being more open-minded to the spiritual stuff like the negative spiritual stuff, you know, because everyone's all about God and God's love and the angels and everything's happy, but there's a dark side too. I completely and utterly agree. Like when I first experienced that uh, a demonic attack or whatever it was, like I actually wrote uh, a a nonfiction story that I was going to send out to people. And I got a very negative response from some people, uh, so, but I also did get a positive response from some people, but ultimately it just felt like 
there was this resistance to the idea that it could ever possibly be true because if the, if that's true, then a lot of other things are true. And I'm very, I don't want to think about that. And I think that culturally, that's kind of where we're at. Like we like to be scared. We like to imagine certain scenarios and go, oh, well, that's just happening on screen and it's not actually real. But then you get to something like, you know, the Paranormal Activity series and you go, well, this would be a whole lot easier if there was someone of faith there who just said, get out. Because if you look at like possessions and stuff like that, like, it's so anticlimactic how like the demons are sent out. It's just like, hey, get out. And they leave. And that doesn't make for good Hollywood, though. So correct. We have to have these situations within cops up where the demon always wins in the end or the demon uh, is just sent away for a time and will come back because we have to milk everything we can out of this franchise. Oh, yeah. What are we so, on paranormal? And, and seven I think or in something? The church too, yeah, it's ridiculous. But I watch every single one of them, so I'm part of the problem. And You're feeding into it. We get yeah, it's just a sense in the church I get of people who don't want to think about it because that brings up some unpleasant realities uh, if these things are real. And no one wants to live in a world where demons are actively attacking us or want the worst for us. We don't want to live in a world where people uh ghosts and apparitions are left behind, some of which may be malevolent. Uh, but ignorance that's kind is of bliss. where we're at. Oh, yes. And at the end of the day, like, if I had been prepared better for that experience, wouldn't my first reaction have been, Jesus, help me, save me from the situation versus like tossing and turning and hoping for the best? Like, I yeah. think if I had been better equipped for that situation, it would have been a non situation. Correct. But, but yeah, it, ignorance is bliss yeah, in our society. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I was, gonna, I was just going to say yeah. that who wants moral accountability or to be afraid of beings that they can't see or, you know, that they could, that could affect them negatively and they're practically invisible. Very much so. Now, you actually brought up a good point earlier, uh, starting the foundation of this. It's like, when should we be skeptical about these things? And when should we be more willing to believe them? That is a good question because I've heard stories of you know people with alien abduction things and that might be an easy one in our minds to write off and be like oh they just had a bad dream or sleep paralysis or something but to them it was real and you know it's how you know how hard are you gonna reject that their experience is real are you willing to you know possibly admit that it is real and sometimes you don't know but you should still be compassionate it's it's hard to say sometimes because some experiences might sound just like total baloney and you're like i can't believe that that would happen and you might be right maybe they did hallucinate but moreover you know controlling your attitude and being open to listening to what they have to say and trying to guide spiritually because there's a lot of mental health problems in our society and in the world in general and we aren't going to be able to concretely say you know on every case whether it's real or not yeah uh we did a whole church episode a while back on some similar stuff and one thing i wanted to harp on there i'll continue to do now is having a healthy skepticism to these things because if you just go into a situation saying this can't happen because I think it can't happen, that's more than often than not, not very helpful. Like even for things that I totally don't think are real, 
Like that's not good. Like we need, like I'll give, I mentioned reincarnation earlier. I don't believe in reincarnation. So when I read a story about a child who starts developing memories of a past life or they were a fighter pilot and died in the war or, uh, and they start giving all these details. Well, if I just start with reincarnation can't happen because it doesn't follow what I think uh, happens to souls after they die. I think they're immediately brought before the judgment throne or God allows them to stay behind the spirits for whatever reason. Like then, then I have stopped progress there. Like, okay, because I've said it can't happen, I'm not helping. Let me instead keep my convictions, but then listen to what this child is saying. Like, are his parents feeding him stories? Could there be a possible demon giving this information just to distract people and look at this instead, instead of the glory of God or something like that? Like, like, how am I looking at this situation? Am I looking at it, but it can't happen, therefore I say it can't happen, or it can't happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but let me actually explore this. Instead of also being the ultra believer, like, you know, I really want to believe that telekinesis could be real. And someone starts showing aspects of it and say, oh man, the telekinesis is real because I think it's real. And they're just, you know, stringing something along or someone's behind a door uh, or a closet or something uh, and just moving stuff around, making it look like it's telekinesis. Like you've got to be able to have a healthy skepticism there to say, okay, let's start with, this is what I know. Let's actually figure it out. Yeah. I like um, Pastor Tom, if you remember him back in the day at Crossway, um, he used to say things, he used to say this, he said, some things I keep in the back of my mind, not because I don't believe them, but because they could be true and I'm not going to cast them aside. So that's and a good way of putting it. You, some things, you know, like I can't, I don't want to cast this aside. This person's experience might be true, but I'm going to put it in the back of my mind because it does go, it might go against some convictions or beliefs that you have, but you need to be compassionate and listen to whatever they're saying, what their experience is and do your best to interpret it. Yeah, absolutely. So earlier you actually brought up, uh, well, we did together, of our time, like making EVP recordings in the graveyard at Wilmington. Like what separates that way of approaching spirits, if spirits are real, you know, then from say engaging in a seance or playing with a Ouija board? Like is there a difference between those? Absolutely. Um, God, if anything, is always intentional and our intentions and what we are doing can um i you know what you're doing when you're approaching the spiritual realm can be i don't know for lack of better terms clean or unclean and if you want to use the biblical terms but more so we're not intending and we're not doing anything that is strictly forbidden because the bible does have a lot of gray area with certain things and but what we were doing, you know, we had a recorder with us. We walked through a graveyard. We weren't trying to summon anything. We weren't, com- you know, committing blood rituals. We weren't, you know, because a lot of these uh, ghost hunting shows, you'll see that they either try to participate in a ritual, they try to summon some activity, try to stir up a ghost. But really, we are just walking taking a walk in a graveyard and it was a very pretty graveyard. I mean, some of these graves are very ornately designed and especially the older style of architecture. And it's very nice to see a lot of these carvings and to read some of the inscriptions on them. And 
our approach was not that we were going to muddy ourselves spiritually, but that we're just kind of being open to if something we catch later on on the recording, we'll be like, wow, that wasn't there at the time. And then we kind of discuss, you know, spiritual stuff like, and it just reminds us that, you know, spirits or ghosts, whatever you want to call them, they're, they're there and they talk, they have voices and, you know, there's just things that we have no better explanations for, but we're catching it on recording. I think again, that Christians just need to be aware that these things exist. And I don't think, you're committing any type of grievous sin by keeping a voice recorder on. We're not getting weird with it. Yeah, I'd second that as well. It's very different from, you know, more mediumship where, you know, I'm allowing, you know, this other entity to take possession of me for a moment so I can get information. I can channel them and, you know, work out whatever to talk to the spirits of the past and, use that especially back in the day when spiritualism was really on the rise in the late uh, 19th century early 20th century there was a lot of shysters out there who just wanted people's money and had no power of their own and they just knew how to you know make it appear as if ectoplasm was coming out or they would have cold readers who knew enough information to be okay we can talk about this person or they would have people stuck in the audience like even now like uh, I think the show has been canceled forever ago, but the John Edward, John Edwards uh, show that he used to do, you'd have people planning in the audience, listening in and say, oh no, I hope he really gets my Aunt Betty today. And he would go, oh, does anyone have an Aunt Betty? She wants to speak to you. It's like, that's what they would do. But this in particular, I don't think it is that same thing. It's not a seance. We're not saying, you know, just give us a sign that you're here. It's like, we were just talking. And we happen to be in an area where you would think there, if there are spirits, they'd be left behind in a graveyard. And when in certain parts of the recording, if I'm remembering correctly, like I would ask you a question and you would ask me a question and there would be a response from a third voice that didn't come from either of us. And like no, we I were know. talking how, to them. How dare but, they butt yeah. into our conversation? Mind your business. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we were hoping to record. We're those third voices, but we weren't like actively talking to them or trying to gain extra knowledge or in any way be you know, prideful about the situation and say that we can control things. If I can just talk to spirit, I can learn about the future or what have you, which would go against, you know, some of the restrictions were given in scripture. So that's where I see the difference. Like for some of you out there, you may be like, I don't care about any of that. I don't see a distinction. Well, I do. That's where I feel. Uh, that's where my conscience is at. You have anything else you want to add, John? I was going to say, I mean, kind of piggybacking off of, you know, what is your intentions of doing this? But um, remember, scripture is a good place to look when you're looking for spiritual guidance, especially when you're coming up with a task or, you know, if you want to, you know, go ghost hunting or something, you check yourself, make sure you're not going with kind of the wrong reasons. You're not doing any type of weird activities that are strictly forbidden or that are, you know, spiritually unhealthy you know like a seance or a ouija board or you're, you're not inviting yourself to be harassed by demons and you're spiritually strong because ghosts are around whether we like it or not and you know whether you know they're just out and about in society and you know you go to the store you might 
encounter however many of them you have no idea that they're there so we're not committing sins just by stepping outside the house and a spirit happens to be around the area you know it's it's one of those some of it is kind of the gray area in the bible where it doesn't really specifically mention a lot of this stuff but but you know sometimes it's common sense you know are you yeah worshiping spirits or are you becoming so hyper obsessed that you're not practicing christian you know tenets and behaviors in your home or in your life you know you know if you become just so hyper focused tunnel vision on you know i gotta catch you know catch ghosts like pokemon you know you don't want to catch them all but and then your spiritual life is you know you're a wreck you're treating people terribly your family is neglected and all this other stuff then obviously it became an idol for you yeah now for this next question like if you haven't figured it out by now, John and I were fairly conservative, but there's an ultra conservative way some people have handled these supernatural issues. And that's based off of fear and control. And like I bring up this being like, how can one have a healthy understanding of the supernatural within the insights offered to us by scripture and then not go off the deep end and then go out and accuse every person who suffers from a mental disorder of being demonically possessed or to have them see a shadow acting in a weird manner and then assume it's a shadow person or watch a child reading a Dungeons and Dragons manual and worry about whether or not Satan has entered their home. How, how can we avoid that thought process? Oh, you mean avoid being the chaotic, evil Bible thumpers that you see in media? <laughs> yes. I hate I hate it when they show up on the TV. I'm just like, not again. Like they're the Bible thumpers are yeah. like, gather the town, get the pitchforks, get the Bible. But um how no do we avoid that? Here. again? Um sometimes it's common sense because I mean Dungeons and Dragons, there's some there's some content issues if you're a Christian, but it's also, you know, intentionality, realizing, you know, they're like even like the history of the Greeks and the Romans and things, they have a lot of gods in them, but we don't worship them. We just recognize them as not, you know, characters in a story. And, you know, like if you read Lord of the Rings or if you read C.S. Lewis, you know, we're not building a pantheon to the creatures you know, the creatures and characters in there. You know, if they're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you know, are they if you find a shrine or if they're paying homage to the to the gods in Dungeons and Dragons and you got a problem but if they're just playing a game you know and laughing and it rolling ones and failing at whatever they're trying to do then it's just all in good fun but be spiritually aware yeah uh i had i actually just remembered this while we were talking i had an old uh small group leader when i was in high school a brilliant guy, newest stuff, one of the most caring men in the world. But he wouldn't let his children watch Scooby-Doo because, you know, they dealt with ghosts and stuff like that. I was like, man, they're not right, real except for like Zombie Island, which is ghosts and stuff like that. It's like, nope, they can't be doing that. But at the same time, he would let his children watch Lord of the Rings because it was written by a Christian author and had Christian themes in it. I was like, how can you not... <laughs> These two don't correlate. It broke my brain. And like, I highly respect this man, but this was like one point of contention we have. And that's the only point of contention I have against him. Like, uh, I think our relationship is pretty dang good. But I remember uh, his youngest son, when he graduated high school, I gave him a card 
and said, hey, now that you're an adult, you can finally watch Scooby-Doo. And <laughs> just messing with them. And we would make fun of each other for or our different places on that. But everything else in this man's life, he would like, perfect person to come to if you needed help or anything like that. But to other people, you bring up whenever you see that Bible thumper on a show, it's like every single time it happened. Like I just read uh, a Detective Comics annual. And in the past, we have Scarecrow's ancestor, who is a Bible thumper, obviously, like trying to get people to be afraid and come to church and build it. And it's like, that's so cliche. And, but it's cliche for a reason, because Christians have acted in that haughty manner in the past, not all, but a lot who let their voices be heard and said, oh, uh, our children are being taught satanic practices and we need to figure out who they are to having rituals in the woods. And yet some, sometimes that did happen, but it got overblown out of proportion to where they were seeing Satan everywhere versus seeing yeah. the people who needed God and how we could have come to them, come around them, you know, as Christians and loved on them and said, hey, you know, this isn't healthy for you. And the, you know, I'm struggling with this too. Instead of acting like we were holier than thou and like we have never once sinned in our lives, of course there are going to be presentations of Christians acting in that manner in fictional media because, well, we kind of brought it on ourselves. I think um, historically, I think you're right, but I mean, it kind of boils down to perceptions and someone wants to make a bad guy out of the Christian who is like, you know, I don't want to see depictions of evil things and, you know, that are supposed to be benign, you know, like children's shows like Monsters, Inc. or things like that, where it follows monsters. They're made in a cute kind of manner, but, you know, to, you know, some strict Christians, you know, they, they might think that, you know, that's demonic in nature. They look like monsters and to each their own, let them keep their lives clean if you know to their own to whatever standard they hold themselves to but you know we are mature enough to understand you know this is not worshiping demons like they're not in the in the the movie or the show they're not going all right kids well let's go you know make our sacrifice to this demon goddess really quick and then we'll get on with uh the rest of the movie yeah well, what was i gonna say i just had it up oh my gosh i just lost it I hate when this happens, and we're going to keep this in so that everyone can feel my shame right now. Well, if you have, like, a hundred tabs open like I do, you know, you're just like, oh, no, which tab was it in? And then you're just cycling through everything trying to find it, and Lord yeah, help if you <laughs> click out of it. Yeah, and you lose that forever. It's, anyway. it's that sense of, oh, I remember it now. Uh, in Romans, Paul talks about the the stronger Christian being there for the weaker Christian. And that's not necessarily saying if you're the weaker Christian in this context that you're less than. It's just like in this area, you feel more sensitively about horror films or you feel about portrayals of demons and media and what have you. And you feel like, oh, well, I, I need to be represented, too. And you should. But also have room for the people who do enjoy these things. So how do you do that? How do you have that balance? Well, you have to respect that person and you have to love on them knowing without the goal of like, I need to change their mind and they need to watch this movie with me. Like, I'm not going to invite, you know, I, I use this example on Let Nothing Move You of like, if I had a, a vegan friend and I invited them to my Super Bowl party and all I had were meat lovers pizzas, I'm not being a very good Christian. I'm not being a very good friend. In the same way, like if I have a, a Christian friend who is very squeamish around blood and gore, I'm not going to invite them to an evil dead marathon. That's not very loving. That's not being me being respectful of their convictions as they're growing in the faith. Like, yeah. let's find ways to love on each other 
and have room for these other things without saying you're in the wrong and you're in the right. Being hard-lined on either side of that, you know, it's Romans 14, 14, which basically says just don't judge one another and respect each other's differences that aren't hard-lined in the Bible. It's like be respectful of the person who eats of all meats be res- and be respectful of the person who doesn't because to them – like you said, the vegan, if they eat a meat, that's like a sin to them. They have a conviction about it. Respect them. Respect their decision. Love them. And to the person who does eat of all meats, the vegan needs to be respectful back. You know, so being hard-lined mm-hmm. on either one is incorrect. Yeah, absolutely. So that actually kind of brings us into our next topic, which uh, there are certain Christians who have convictions about other things. Like, how does... A healthy appreciation for the supernatural and paranormal differentiate itself from things like astrology or crystals or tarot reading, or is there a difference at all? For the Christian specifically, there is a difference because when you start getting into um, elemental things and like like astrology where you're trying to interpret the stars or tarot card readings, you're trying to predict the future – Talking about crystals, where you're trying to harness power. It it those are different types of weird kind of like pagan alt religious type of things where they can become idols or because if you're trying to read people's futures with tarot cards, um I mean to each their own beliefs, but for a Christian, that's like false profiting. And also, when you get into like astrology, you know, that's kind of goes into the same thing where you're trying to read the stars for what you should be focusing on today instead of, you know, being in prayer and being mindful of where God has you in life and who is in your life and what you should be focusing on there. I agree. This is a, actually a debate Joshua and, her, and I have had on the show before. And not he doesn't agree on all these things, but like, you know, uh, nothing necessarily in his mind being wrong with crystals. And for me, that's more of like the magic feather from Dumbo. And like it gives you a false sense of hope versus an actual like, I am capable of doing these things. I need to go to God and look at him and or rely on him instead of anything earthly that could ever give me what I think is that same feeling I get from him. And But there are plenty of people out there who don't think that same way and have their own convictions with him and uh, seek after him. But they use, you know, meditation in a, a different context versus like, you know, just reading and reflecting on the word, but like actual meditation. And I see nothing inherently wrong with that. But then I'll also go and say this crystal, like it's just, it's just a quartz and it just makes me feel happy to have it around. And that's when you can get, if you go too far in one direction, you become that ultra conservative almost very legalistic. And in fact, some people do get very legalistic on these things and in saying, well, you're just to have, that's an idol is like, it very well could be, but it's got to be that person figuring out where they stand. Like I obviously stand on the more conservative side of rely God only. And like, there are things that can bring you pleasure in this life and things that can make you happy in this life, but they never take or replace him. And that's my fear when that comes up. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I mean, Sometimes things can become care objects where you like to be comforted by this, you know, or almost whimsical thinking of like, oh, this is my astrology for today or, oh, these these crystals, you know, I like them. They're, you know, beyond being pretty, they have some type of mystical power you like to believe in. But in 
it can get spiritually muddy, but again, intentionality, like if we go gem mining, I'm not looking for a power source. I'm just looking for pretty rocks, you know? (laughs) I feel you there. I have anything else you want to add to that one? No, sir. Move on. All right. So one of the things actually John and I have kind of incorporated in our writing are this concept of tulpas, which comes from Tibetan Buddhist beliefs that were later, unfortunately, bastardized and simplified by theosophists. That could be its own episode. I despise theosophy in every core of my being. We don't have the time to talk about it. And it was simplified by them into what we now refer to as thought beings or thought creatures, or also the spralpa. And the basic premise being that one with enough creativity and will can manifest this tulpa into reality. Do you think it's possible for humans to do this? You mean like an imaginary friend? I mean, pretty much. It's like uh, the example given by, I forget her name off the top of my head. One of the theosophists is she conjured this image of a friendly monk who, uh, according to her, was a very jovial guy, but eventually got to went beyond his programming or whatever. And they had to like kill him somehow. Like I'd have to reread that story. But like, yeah, essentially... Willing something into existence. Willing something into existence. I haven't done it, so I can't say for sure. And that's kind of where I stand on it. But again, these are people's experiences, and I'm going to be you know, mindful that it's possible. I need to listen to them be compassionate, but I haven't experienced it myself. I'm not saying it's not true, but it is very hard to, you know, think about some of these some of these amazing things that happen to people and you're like, well, I didn't know it was that easy or maybe, you know, when you can't rationalize it, you know, it's it's difficult to believe, but I'm open to, you know, something having happened, you know, somehow Palpatine returned, you know, like somehow this creature was willed into existence. Sorry, this, John and I have had many conversations about our hatred of the sequel trilogy. That just makes me laugh. Uh, Except for Force Awakens. I like I Force think Awakens. It was an okay start. And <laughs> for, for this specifically, I, I kind of go with you in that it's possible this could be a thing. Uh, I think God has made us to be very creative creatures. And like, that's one of the reasons why we write. We like creating things. We like making these worlds and having these conflicts happen where our characters can grow and uh, sometimes not grow and then learn from their mistakes and then tell a really good, hopefully a very entertaining story that someone can really enjoy. I think that's in its own way, a form of creation. Now, willing it actually into existence. I mean, that would take a lot of discipline and a lot of focus. And I know I don't have either one of those. (laughs) (laughs) So like, it's one of those things I put I put a little asterisk behind it, like maybe. And I think let's say I kind of bring this up, too, because in our more modern Internet age, we're going away from some of these ideas. But at the same time, maintaining some of them in that uh, I don't know how familiar you are with the Slenderman mythos. Yeah. Is this idea of the Slenderman actually being real or the rake actually being real. These other things that came from creepypastas uh, because of. People believing in them enough, they actually manifested them into reality. So that's its own separate issue. But I find it fascinating about whether or not the human consciousness – yeah, yeah. could the human consciousness have created the chupacabra based on very small reports or something like that? Like 
I find it fascinating. I, I don't know where I stand. I'll put a like like that the asterisk maybe, but I did want to bring it up as like since we're going all over the spiritual and paranormal realm of things, that's one other thing we could bring up. You have anything else you want to add before we head up to the wrap up, John? My rational quote unquote explanation of the topifying thing is that you know it's possible there was some demonic entity or something able to you know read thought or maybe was in the mind of the ones who created it and then the demon was able to somehow get the power to manifest itself in that shape to terrorize them or something to that effect i mean that's one way i you know as a christian i have to you know try to try to justify it but again I'm going to keep it in the back of my mind because I'm not going to cast it aside. You know, these, these experiences that other people have had, but that's just, this is my two cents on it. Fair enough. All right. So recommendations, what do we have recommendations for the audience? Me, I am going to recommend you guys, if you're interested in further studying some of this stuff, like there's plenty of other books to read, but check out the unexplained. It's by Jerome Clark and he compiles a lot of stuff like, goes from lake monsters to ghosts to uh, phantom clowns and stuff like that, if I remember correctly. It's all over the place. It's a really fun book. Like You can look at it with the mind of, okay, do I think this is real? Do I think it's not? I love the writing. I love how things are brought to me. So there you go. John, what is your recommendation for the audience? My recommendation for the audience is to look up Unacknowledged by Dr. Stephen Greer. It's a pretty... um, interesting read interesting i'm sorry interesting watch of you know discussing supernatural and ufos and getting some perspectives that aren't necessarily supported by the mainstream and and i disagree with some of the things that he might say or believe but again it's you know challenging a lot of the status quo with a lot of the belief systems in place and the always casting away of uh, the phenomenon that a lot of people have experienced and, you know, just to challenge them to um, listen to it and take it, take it for what it is and, you know, and look at the greater picture. As we into the wrap up segment here, thank you all for listening. This was a ton of fun to do uh, for our patrons and captivate listeners. John and I are going to do a special question about spiritual gifts after this and whether we are cessationists or continuationists please you've had a chance to leave a five-star review in your podcasting platform of choice uh, visit us on our youtube page subscribe there like i said i do friday night frights day we do drinks with teaches we have lots of quality stuff out there that doesn't always come to the podcast too so if you're interested in that check us out but remember we are all the chosen people a geekdom of priests This was an Amazon Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Amazon Ministries podcast network.